Today on Behavior Babes Podcast, I have a special episode where we're going to review the top 10 episodes from the podcast. This is determined by looking at the number of downloads, the number of plays, the number of playbacks, and other stats that are provided for me as a courtesy from Anchor, which is the podcast hosting site that I use. Today I'm going to present for you the overall top 10 episodes in the last 12 months or the one year since creating the Behavior Babe podcast. Just a little bit of background for you. I started the podcast because I realized that I get a lot of excitement when I go to conferences, when I speak to people who I admire, to people who I'm excited to just learn about what they're doing, and I wanted to find a way to capture that and to create these conversations year-round for myself. I also wanted a way to share the conversations that I'm having and to allow people to meet the people I'm meeting. My thought was this could be done through the podcast. In 2008, I started a website, which in 2009 was renamed Behavior Babe. And in 2010, Behavior Babe's presence on Facebook and other social media sites began. Here we are now moving into 2020 one year into the podcast and a decade after starting the dissemination efforts that I've named Behavior Babe. I'm excited and thrilled to have an audience, to have the conversation, to have people excited about behavior analysis. And so today let's talk about the top 10 things that seem to excite you the most, at least the listeners of this show. Quickly, I'll mention for you the number 10 episode which is ADHD and anxiety, and that one was presented by me, so not a guest on the show. And I, this is where I would say that a lot of the um, downloads have to do with interest, of course. You know, what is something that people aren't constantly talking about? What is something that people are constantly seeking out information on but can't find continuing education about? Where are we seeing challenges with new populations? Where are we working and and what are we doing to equip ourselves with the knowledge that we need to be successful with new populations? So that episode has over 4,000 downloads and I appreciate so much the interest in that topic. Sometimes I also think the length of the episode has to do with the frequency of downloading and leave it to a behavior analyst who want to analyze those kinds of things. And luckily, again, based off the data collected and the insights that I can access, I am able to use some database decisions here. Episode number nine, the ninth most downloaded episode, does feature our guest, and this is the first on the list to feature a guest. This is the episode on advocacy, parenting, and putting the joy into life with Josh Cobbs. In this episode, Josh talks about his family, he talks about his journey, he talks about his children, talks about Noah, his son, and he talks about his passion and history with advocating, with becoming a champion for access to autism services in the state of Iowa, and also partnering with people to provide access on a more global level, being a part of conversations and summits and contributing a lot to the discussion on what are we going to do when these children, our children, become adults. In that episode, we explore what does that look like? How do we create vocational opportunities 
And Josh shares with us not only his thoughts and ideas, but also his company. I always had the plan on building more into the business to make it a place where, as Noah aged, hopefully he could find some role in that. And so um, this summer actually was our first kind of physical product launch, if you will. And uh, we settled, when I say we, uh, I settled on tailgating games. Noah can't run any machinery or anything like that. And I did that for a couple reasons. First, it was a relatively easy entry after some trial and error. Second, it was something that we would do ourselves. Like we could play that with Noah or even, frankly, some folks who are maybe a bit elderly because you can, you can adjust the distance of the games or adjust how you play to make them fit all abilities. Number eight on the list is another episode that has no guest. And so it was an episode that I presented again, and it was the ethics of staying up to date, a review of newsletters that are issued by the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. So if you're a behavior analyst and you are um, wanting to stay current in your practice, then there is, of course, the requirements for continuing education. And one of those uh, requirements is that we have a set of ethics, uh, continuing education information, that we're attending those conferences, and again, that we're continuing those conversations. So just like other professions, psychologists, speech and language pathologists, occupational therapists, we have these requirements to maintain our credential. And in some state, we also have those requirements to maintain our licensure. It's incredibly important that behavior analysts pay attention to the timelines and to the updates and to the news that is announced, especially by our certification board, as it would be for any professional to seek that information from their national board. And so not only do I encourage you to, hey, check out that episode if it seems relevant to you, but probably more important would be to go and look at and read the newsletters and make sure you are up to date with the latest information that is being disseminated by the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. In 2019, the Behavior Analyst Certification Board, or the BACB, also started a podcast. And just like with their newsletters, their podcast episodes are released when they have new information to share. They're not released on a schedule, so you cannot expect to receive them every month or bi-weekly or on some other timeline. They are going to be released when there's information that you need to know. Therefore, it's a really good indication that there is something new if a newsletter or a podcast has been um, released by the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. Looking at the number seven most downloaded episode, this is an episode that I really found relevant to my history as an elementary education teacher working in private schools and preschools, working as a paraprofessional. I have a lot of interest in the topic that was presented by Christine Almeida on applied behavior analysis and public preschools. How can we get access to uh, effective, efficient, high quality, rigorous behavior analysis in public school settings? And if we were to dream it, what does it look like if we actually do it? And in this episode, Christine talks to us about the model that she's created in Newton, Massachusetts, and gives an idea to everybody about what this can look like. And how do you create that motivation? How do you create that passion? And how do you create an incentive for the system that is not necessarily set up that way initially? So I happen to be a real big believer in 
public schools, it's just that public schools need to do it better. So when I first came to Newton, I had come from, I, in Southern California, I worked at Lovas, and then in Massachusetts, I worked at New England Center for Children. And both places are very much like ABA is king, and of course, everybody loves you, and any reinforcer you want to use, of course you can use it. And, and then I came to Newton, and it was very different, where like I had one child who was only allowed to eat, uh, his mother had him on a diet for whatever reason, he was only allowed to eat mango and lamb and peas, and that was it. And there were suddenly all these restrictions put on me, and that first year was incredibly difficult for me. Suddenly, nobody really wanted to know, like, what I thought, and I, and I was really kind of ostracized. And ABA was sort of in the back corner, and nobody wanted to know anything about it. They, and I heard later that people were upset and angry that I was even hired. And then... It was actually Dan who was consulting at that time. My husband, Dan Almeida, he, he was the consultant to the program at the time. And he said, after that first year, I had to get my feet wet. And we were just focusing on just getting the kids assessed and just surviving. He said, pick, I, the next year, I was like, I want to get into inclusion. He said, pick one classroom. And it's just about shaping. And I would go into the classroom. And my first thought would be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I want to change everything. He's like, find one thing that you like and just cultivate that relationship. And it's all shaping. It's all just shaping. And I formed a relationship with a teacher and I would tell her how much I really loved how she did. And I don't even remember what it was. And to this day, the two of us have a very, very good relationship. And then we started to we started to support students in her classroom and started to work in that classroom. And then it jumped over to another classroom and then another classroom. And then once the teachers saw that we weren't trying to take over the classroom, that we could be an asset to their classroom, and that slowly went in one classroom at a time, and pretty soon it was the staff, it was the, it was the other teachers that were kind of spreading the word and saying, like, why don't you go ask Christine? Why don't you go ask Christine and her staff? And um. And that was the way that it went. Number six on our list, the sixth most downloaded episode. So we're counting backwards from 10 to one. Number six on the list is Carter Keegan on Life on the Spectrum. Carter is a friend of mine and it was a pleasure to have him on the show. And in our discussions, Carter shared with us what it was like for him as a child who had lost language, um, who had difficulty communicating. He talked to us about his relationships with his family, what it was like with his brother, and about the rural town that he grew up in in Colorado. Carter also shared along his journey about getting his driver's license and going off to college and what it's been like having romantic relationships. I definitely, definitely encourage you to listen to this episode. I feel like it is relevant whether you are a behavior analyst or a parent a practitioner, an individual on the spectrum yourself, or just anyone who has an interest in learning about the lives of others, that is definitely, definitely would have made my top 10 as the most enjoyable shows that I was able to create and to bring to your attention. As a two-year-old, I was verbal and engaging and stuff until, um, and my favorite word at the time was yellow, which is a pretty hard word for a child, a child of two years to even speak. So it was my favorite word and stuff. When my father came home one time from from work, he he was working as an international flight attendant, so he wasn't home that a bunch and stuff. But when he 
came home, he after a couple of days, he asked my mom and my brother, older brother, when was the last time I had said yellow or any other words, and I was driven over to, and I was officially diagnosed, and that's when the real journey began of trying to bring me back from the world of autism. And people told my family that I wouldn't travel, I wouldn't speak, I wouldn't eat in public places. Bought lots of intensive therapies and aids and people from the community. I've I've become the person I am today through all that hard work. And I guess I'm the one who's worked the hardest to compared to everyone else who's known me. Number five on our list is Sherry Adler on trauma-informed treatment. And I think, again, this speaks to the relevance and the need for us to find solutions and finding ways in which to work with populations that we are encountering more and more and more in our practice. And perhaps that's because there's more trauma or maybe there's more treatment for that support that's needed or maybe it's just that behavior analysts are in positions or we have opportunities to be branching out and to be offering our perspective into the conversation on treatment. And in that episode, Sherry talks about a behavior analytic view and what she learned in one of her most recent workplace settings and environments about how to take that understanding and to better assist and help when providing trauma-informed treatment. And so that's no surprise that this episode is number five on the top 10 most downloaded episodes of the Behavior Babe podcast. I think it's really helped develop and hone in on those soft skills that I think, you know, is is a crucial part when you're going into families' homes and working with a wide variety of cultures and people and uh, people have their own thoughts on disciplines and what matters to them the most. So I think understanding people's histories is a really important way of, you know, getting, especially getting parents to kind of buy in to treatment decisions that you're making. Not only do they see that it's working, but they, you know, have their relationship and want to implement what you're suggesting. That's on the family end of it. On the treatment end of it, I think um, if you can look a little bit deeper and see maybe they had a history of some kind of abuse that you don't know about and something about the situation, the current situation that they're in triggered a response and that's, that response might have been aggressive. It looks to be out of the blue, but there really is, there really was a trigger that caused that person to react in the manner that they did. Episode number four is Shannon Biaggi on organizational behavior management. And my heart is warmed to see this one make the top 10, partially because I was expecting topics like advocacy, autism, anxiety that we talked about, And it's really exciting when I see that there's an interest in understanding not just the behavior of organisms, but the behavior of organizations. And so Shannon was a wonderful guest to have on to enlighten us on this topic. And she talked a lot about how we can take this behavior analytic view that many of us work with individuals, um, or maybe you're a recipient of services and so you've seen what ABA looks like with your child or with yourself or in a school or at home, 
but what does it look like when we're consulting to Verizon or Bechtel, a construction company? And how can we use these principles on that large of a scale? And how do behavior analysts begin going down that path if that's what they'd like to pursue with their career? That episode, episode number four on the list, Shannon Biaggi on OBM, is where you should go if you're interested in learning more about systems, behavior analysis, and effective change. So organizational behavior management is the science of human behavior applied to the world at work. So this is a little bit different than our clinical applications. Um, typically, uh, in clinical applications, you're working with children with autism, development of disabilities, um, gerontology, things like that. But OVM is kind of unique in that we span across all of those fields because all of those other fields are um, working with other people like uh, staff members, employees, um, primarily like technicians. So we use the same science that you're using clinically, but we use it in a different way to increase employee satisfaction, increase their productivity, um, how, the, how well the business is doing um, from that kind of business perspective. So that's a little bit about um, OBM. Now, in the last three, or the top three, I should say, because again, we're going backwards from 10 to 1, in the top three, we have two more episodes that I presented that did not have a guest on the show. And these two topics are very near and dear to me. I probably put the most passion in the podcast recording, whether it was intentional or not, because this is what my life career focus has become, and that is on advocating and allowing and ensuring access to ABA services in schools. And so the number three episode is ABA in schools where I talk about what those services can look like and I share what my experiences have been working in schools in Massachusetts and having some experience working in schools here in Hawaii as well. And in that episode, I also provide some information for teachers because as many of you know or if you've been following along you definitely know that my background was originally in elementary education before I found behavior analysis and blended those two interests together. The number two most downloaded episode and our highest on the list with the guest featured is Ashley Rose on teaching social skills. So congratulations to everyone who made the list and definitely thank you to everyone who is on the podcast. I would love to check in and see where this list is again in the near future. But Ashley Rose on teaching social skills, that episode has been downloaded just shy of 5,000 times since it was released. And Ashley provides information on setting up the environment, structuring your interactions, teaching your staff, securing funding, making it fun making it accessible, what it looks like to disseminate online. She was a wealth of information. And of course, that's another area that is high interest and very relevant to many of us, definitely as practitioners, to many scientists, and to consumers of our science as well. We started off our social skills program very small because I saw such a need for it. There really wasn't anything else out there. The kids are in school all day long. They're surrounded by peers, but not everybody knows how to facilitate social interactions, how to contrive situations. There's just so many missed opportunities, no matter how well-meaning people are throughout the day. So I thought, you know what, let me, let me try to 
fill that gap a little bit. And it's really just grown exponentially from there. So we provide, again, like a pretty niche service, not too many other programs in our area where if you really sort of start to do your research, not a ton even nationally that specifically focus on uh, just player social skills instruction. And for us, it's just so complex. So it's really all we do. So any conference that I'm going to or workshops or books I'm, I'm reading, articles, it's really pertaining to the development of, of playing social skills. Always, always something else else to learn. The number one most downloaded episode, which has been downloaded 5,311 times as of today, is the importance of advocacy and dissemination efforts in behavior analysis. If we truly believe that behavior analysis is the science that can help all other sciences, if it's the science that can improve our lives and the lives of others around us, then we must make a commitment to ensuring that there's funding for this support, ensuring that the conversation occurs, ensuring that there's access to research and the way to disseminate that research in a way which people can digest easily. So I thank you for reinforcing what is important to me and making me feel motivated and inspired to bring you new episodes in 2020. And so I appreciate that the most downloaded episode of the podcast has been on the importance of advocacy and dissemination efforts. And I hope to offer you more information on those topics in the future. If there's something in particular you'd like to hear or someone that you would like to see on the show, perhaps it's yourself, shoot me an email and let me know. My email is behaviorbabe at yahoo.com. You can also message me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm able to get back to you pretty quickly on different devices using social media sites. For anyone who's interested in learning more about me, you can do so by listening to the Behavior Babe podcast and visiting www.behaviorbabe.com. Mm-hmm.